for our scripture reading uh, this morning. We're going to be reading from Psalm 27. I decided to take a break from 119 until we're assembled together to continue that. But I think this is an encouraging word, so if you have your Bibles, please open to Psalm 27. And this is a Psalm of David. David says these words, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple, for in the time of trouble He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret place of His tabernacle He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted above all my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in His tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me. And such as breathe out violence, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for your goodness and grace, even in the context of situations of life that we're currently in. We praise you, Lord, that you are constant and you are good, that you have given us light, you have given us Christ, you have given us truth, that we have salvation. It is a sure salvation. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you are our strength. There is no need for us to fear. Lord, we are very grateful and we praise you that we can hide ourselves in your tabernacle. But we have confidence in knowing that when we cry out to you, you hear us. You are a God who concerns himself with us. Lord, thank you for that confidence. Thank you for the courage that we can have in the midst of trials and tribulations. We know you are the ever-present, omnipresent God. We know that you have provision for your children. And we praise you that you are constant You are good. Father, as we think about who you are and your attributes and your power and your might, we also think about your holiness. You are a holy God. 
And this brings us, Lord, to a simple acknowledgement that we are sinners. And we ask you to forgive us all our sin. We know our sins are always before you and they are offensive to you. And uh, God, we confess. Uh, please forgive us. Maybe this has been a week for, for many of us who have been feared with, filled with doubts and fears. And God, maybe that has led us to a place to just question. Question your ability. Question what you're doing. Lord, forgive us. We know that uh, these things do not catch you off guard. You are, you are God. You are in control. And so, Lord, we, we just simply confess if our hearts have been prone to wonder at this time, and I pray that you would strengthen us. You would encourage us. You would open our eyes, Lord, to who you are, to what Christ has done. That, Lord, just as David says, Lord, keep us safe upon your rock. Lord, take care of us. Remind us of your goodness. Remind us, Lord, of your love for us. Bring us to the, to the cross in this uh, time in history where you demonstrated your love for us. Lord, teach us from your word. Sanctify us by your word. Lord, we hear the, the prayers of our Savior Jesus even through this time when he was praying, Lord, for his disciples and for all that would believe that you would set us apart in your word. So, Lord, do that. Grow us. Teach us. Lord, I plead that you would lead us by your power. We are immensely grateful and thankful, Lord, because you have all power. You are true. Lord, you are good. You are peace. You are strength. Lord, you are everything, and we thank you for leading us. Thank you for concerning yourself. Lord, thank you for being active. Thank you for being our help, and we cry out to you. You hear us. Thank you for, Lord, grace and mercy that is in Christ, and we have it in full. This is who you are, and we say thank you. And Lord, as we come before you with just a simple attitude of worship and praise, we pray, Lord, for this situation that is happening in our nation, uh, this virus that is um, wreaking havoc upon people's lives and families and schedules and uh, Lord, just every area of our lives. Uh, we pray, Lord, for our nation and our states and our community leaders. We ask God you to keep them safe. Uh, keep them healthy. Uh, we pray for our first responders and our doctors and our nurses, our hospital staffs, all those who are, uh, Lord, just serving the sick. We ask and pray, Lord, for your hand to be upon them, that you would keep them safe. You would strengthen their bodies, Lord, if they feel weary. Uh, we pray, Lord, for our community and those who are uh, just living in a sense of fear and, uh, Lord, just dread. We pray, God, that your peace would be with, uh, be with us. Pray that you would strengthen your church through this to be a voice of reason, to be the calm and demonstrate that calm that is, that is desperately needed. We pray, Lord, that we would seize the opportunities of ministry to be the hands and feet of Christ, to love, truly love you first and love our neighbors. Guide us with that. We pray ultimately, Lord, an end uh, to this virus, that you would bring it to a, to a close, that it's uh, Lord, uh, would stop spreading. And we pray for those dealing with this sickness. We pray for healing. And Lord, we think about all the, the families and uh, uh, the churches that are disrupted this day. I pray, God, for a sense of unity uh, around Christ, around His Word. I pray that 
uh, we would know in the fullness, even though the church has not assembled uh, collectively together in one place, Lord, it is assembling individually in different homes uh, throughout the country. I pray, God, for your peace to be upon your people, that uh, Lord, our eyes would be open to your providence, your goodness, your sovereignty through all of this, that our ears would be attuned to your word, that we would hear, that we would trust, that we would grow, that there would be a sense of boldness and confidence, Lord, in your children, not in arrogance, Lord, but to serve and love, uh, Lord, those who may not know you. Let us be that voice. And I pray, Lord, that you would glorify yourself uh, in the lives of your children, strengthen them, move through them, and awaken, Lord, your church. And we pray this in the wonderful, powerful, mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we continue this morning, uh, a little bit displaced, but together in spirit, uh, I pray you would open your Bibles and ask that you'd open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. As we look to God's Word for strength, I uh, know many of you uh, who might be listening in, who may not have listened to messages in the past, we've been working our way through 1 Corinthians and um, We've come to the instruction that Paul gives to his church regarding communion and uh, the, the words of our Savior Jesus. Um, he tells us to remember and how Paul has, has received that instruction and how he's delivered it. And uh, we work through what it means to be the church, to understand the atoning sacrifice of Christ, that this is the only way. And as I was thinking about uh, this passage and continuing on, uh, in this passage, I thought about uh, just the situations of life and what is happening, and uh, I thought it would be important to maybe, uh, not really tangent because it's all God's Word, but to take a moment and talk about uh, the almighty power of God. If Christ, and uh, we remember His death and His resurrection, well, how did His resurrection come about? Well, Paul's going to tell us in this passage in Ephesians chapter 1 that it is the almighty power of God. Um, Earlier this week, actually a few weeks ago, during my time of devotion, um, I enjoy periodically singing a hymn or reading a hymn before I pray, and uh, I was just thumbing through the hymnal, and I came to uh, the hymn, Praise to the Lord the Almighty, and I was singing that, um, jumping around in keys a little bit, I'm sure, I assure you, but uh, I was singing it. And I came to the stanza, I believe it's the third stanza, it says this, this, uh, these words, Ponder anew what the Almighty can do, if with His love He befriend thee. And I found myself just contemplating that, that wonderful statement. How often do we go about life and uh, we know God is good, we know He's all-powerful, we know that He's mighty, but I love how the, the hymnist says here, you know, ponder anew. Think, of, think anew about what the Almighty can do, especially Lord, you know, for us who, who know Christ as Lord, uh, if He has befriended us. So with that idea of just the Almighty, and I'm thinking about this, and of course the situation unfolds in our community, things are happening, and we're told to stay home, and the church is, uh, is assembling in homes, and I just want to encourage you with these words, this passage of Scripture that... Uh, we can come and praise and worship God 
uh, for who he is. And I, I just I challenge you uh, to think and ponder, if you will, anew what the Almighty can do. As we think about the resurrection of Christ and communion, um, I just want to come to this passage of Scripture and pull out some, some truths that we can anchor our soul to and know that God is uh, true to himself, that he is all-powerful, and, uh, and we can be strengthened by it even though we're, we're not together this morning, uh, at least physically. So this is what Paul says in talking about God's almighty power. This is Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 19 through 23, and he says this, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. As we look to this word, would you please just once again bow your heads and, and pray with me. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for who you are, your mightiness, your power, um, especially now as we look to this and how it's you have wonderfully, powerfully demonstrated, Lord, who you are and what you can do at the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus. And so I pray, Lord, that these words would strengthen and encourage your church, that it would challenge those maybe listening to this message who do not know Christ as Savior. I pray that they would come to know that they can have a confidence and an assuredness in who Christ is and how you have demonstrated your power, that there is no soul beyond your reach, and I pray, Lord, that your power is not weak to those uh, who are without. And so I pray, Lord, this message would resonate in your church. And I ask, as always, that I would be taken out of the way, that every thought, life, Lord, I would be fixed upon you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've read this passage, and I believe uh, wholeheartedly that uh, this is a passage that is uh, well-suited regardless of what we're going through in life. I'm sure all of us who are breathing this morning, who have lived life long enough, have related to the struggles of life, let alone what is currently happening. But I believe that we're not immune to the things of, of this world. Some of us have sh- struggled with or, or worked through evil things, and uh, we've worked through bitterness. Sometimes we've struggled with hate. Often we may work through and struggle against lusts and immorality. Maybe we've had moments of of anger and uh, endured things through the family, such as murder or war or selfishness or greed, division, strife, disappointments, emptiness, uh, finding purpose or losing purpose in life. We see this, this passage resonates in so many different areas of our lives. And quite quickly, regardless of what you might be going through today, and we know that we're all experiencing uh, the fear of this virus, uh, we desperately need the power of God uh, every day. 
ponder anew the power of God, the mighty workings of God, uh, who He is and what He can do. So this passage, I believe and I trust, resonates, should resonate with all of us. And Paul is, is prayerfully encouraging the Ephesians church to, uh, to understand how God demonstrates His power in the resurrection of Jesus. And He promises, God promises, His power to all His believers. This is Paul's prayer. That these Ephesian believers might know God personally. uh, That they might know that He has demonstrated His power in in the resurrection of Jesus, the the lifting and ascension of Jesus, the the authority of Christ. And they might experience this not just in their lives, but also in the context of the church. So as we look to this passage, the few things I want to point out this morning, um, the first thing I come to is that uh, we learn God's almighty power truly is God Himself. It is God Himself. He is the omnipotent One. It is His attribute. God is all-powerful. Paul says it like this in verse 19. And, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of of His mighty power. Paul seems to go out of his way here to really stress. That's not enough for just to simply say God is all-powerful. He is omnipotent. That is His attribute. It is the power of God. It is God. Paul seems uh, desiring to, to seriously stress this point. It's exceedingly. It's great. Exceeding greatness. It is not a power that is weak. It is a mighty power. And it's interesting, these words, the word exceeding has the idea uh, with the Greek to, to mean surpassing or unlimited, immeasurable, it's beyond imagination. And greatness has the idea of mighty, explosive, beyond measure. So we were to take those definitions and work it into Paul's statement here. Paul is praying for these believers to know the surpassing, unlimited, immeasurable beyond imagination, power that is mighty, explosive, beyond measure, the power of God that saves us. And so simply, it is the power of God that raised Christ. Paul is stressing this. Believers today understand this is who God is. His power is almighty. It's not like that the something we might equate to something explosive in the sense of uh, an atomic bombs that dropped in Japan during World War II or um, earthquakes or volcanoes. And even though those are powerful, this is a, a mighty power unleashed. Un- nothing has come close to it. It's been unleashed upon the earth. The God raising Christ from the dead. If you think for a moment, you know, if... if uh, if, if the enemy had won and Christ would have, have stayed in the tomb, if you will, uh, he might have been triumphant. But we know, and Paul is stressing this, Christ lives today. God has raised him from the dead. And this was a mighty display of God's power. In the Greek, the word power here is dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. Now, I don't want you to think that, again, God is going around exploding things, right? We're talking about a a power of God. He speaks in the power of miraculous creation. He takes nothing and creates. He is God, and He takes 
Christ who was dead and raises him. And he does this, as Paul says, according to the working of his mighty power. And this is towards us. We see an energy, right? As the word translated working, it's working. There's an activity. God has focused this. In the lives of his believers, we can understand and, and experience the power of God in our lives. It is a strength. It is a, a dominion. It is mighty. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, speaking of this logical flow of this passage, he says this, he first speaks of energy, of power in action, and then says that it comes from a force which is irresistible. It comes from the ocean of God's might and unlimited power. All this is towards us, as Paul says. It's towards you. It is towards I. How do we know this? Well, Paul says it's because of what Christ has overcome. God has raised him. This power is demonstrated in what he did for Christ. So we see that Paul comes to this, and his prayer is, is that you know this is God and of himself. He is, he is almighty. But then he goes on to, to continue to explain how God demonstrated His power. And this leads to my second point in the first part of verse 20. is that God's almighty power resurrected Christ. It's not enough for Paul simply to say He's almighty and he's, His greatness exceeds and it's a mighty power, but He, he resurrected Jesus. First part of verse 20, in which He worked in Christ. This same power, He worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now Paul is not praying that you and I would, uh, would receive this power in a sense that we would walk about uh, empowered with, with something to, uh, to be like God or some sense like that, but rather that our eyes would be open to this. That our lives would come alive uh, to this. We'd be open to this display of power and what he did in Christ because uh, Paul's point here is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at God's right hand is the power that has saved us. Paul wants us to know, he wants the Ephesian believers to know, he wants the church to know that if you are here this morning listening to this and you believed on Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this did not come of your own reasoning or your own power. This is a work of God. Going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul has said this about this message, the gospel. He says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Salvation is the mighty working of God. It is the power of God. It is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. I believe this is very important for the church today. We could ask questions of each person who claims Christ as their Lord and Savior. You could ask these questions. Is God's power at work in you? I love how Ezekiel says the heart of stone. God just doesn't make your heart malleable. He, he does a heart transplant. He takes the heart of stone and places a heart of flesh. So we'd ask these questions, or is that heart of flesh beating for the things of God? 
Is, are you living in accordance to His mighty power? Can you say with, with Christ, I have life in Him? Can you say like John Newton, once I was blind, but now I see. Paul stresses this, and of course this passage leading into chapter 2, verse 1, he's going to, to make this argument. He's going to say it clearly in, in verse 1 of chapter 2. And he says, and, and you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. All that believe on Christ, that know Christ as Lord and Savior, have had a heart transplant. You've been born again, as Jesus says. You must be born again. No one decides to be born the first time. The second time is also true. No one will think, well, you know what, today I should be just raised from the dead. No, you were dead. The past tense and the, and the present tense, you, He made alive. If you're living in the power of Christ and you know Him as your Lord and Savior, well, you can trust this work that raised Christ from the grave is at work in you. It requires God's almighty power. Maybe that question for the church, maybe it's resonating you. Maybe you're thinking, do I really truly know Him? Am I born again? To that I would say, do you, do you believe? Do you trust in Christ? Do you trust His shed blood? Or is your only hope for eternal life? you do that is faith not from your own is from god the message is not foolishness but precious if it's beautiful to you that is from god if your eyes have been opened to your need for jesus if you've cling to the cross have no hope in anything else that is a work of god if you love his word you love his commandments, if you love the gospel, if you're thankful and you're often brought to, to tears as you think about his love for you, that is a work, a work of God. That is his power at work. And there's three things here that I want you to understand that, that because God raised Jesus from the dead, there's three things we can have confidence in right now. The first one is this God has the power to conquer all the trials and temptations of your life. If you are struggling today, if fear has got a grip on you, if you're wondering about God's activity, if He's absent, you should take heart. You should know God has all power. He raised Christ from the grave. On this moment when He conquered that most powerful trial that that everyone faces death he's conquered it and by conquering death by raising christ from the grave we can be encouraged we can be reminded god has everything necessary for me today that i can walk in the fullness of life no matter what i face no matter what i endure no matter what i go through no matter the struggles in, in my flesh, the struggles in, in life, the things that are uncertain, the things going on in the nation, I can know God's mighty power is at work. It's a wonderful, exceeding great power. It is a mighty power. So we learn that God has the power to conquer all trials and temptations of our lives. The second thing I want you to know is that God has the power to give us new life. 
when Jesus was raised from the dead, He did not come back in His old life. but He was new. He was a new man. He was raised to the newness of life. God has that power to, to change. The old is gone. The new has come. We can walk in this newness today. It is for God's children. The last thing I, I want to stress here about the resurrection power of Christ that God has demonstrated through this is, is that God has the power to raise men from the dead. To raise every person. Those who believe. And I, I just want to stress here that if you're feeling today that God is not paying attention or God is somewhere else or God can't save me, I pray that you would, you would hear this. There is... No heart beyond His ability to, to, to transplant, to change. God, God has the power, all the power necessary to bring about salvation. And as we look to this, and this is exactly what Paul is saying, that you can be encouraged at church. God has demonstrated His power at the resurrection of Christ. He can resurrect our souls as well. So Paul, encouraging and praying for this church, he says, you know, God's, God is power unto Himself. He is the Almighty, powerful One. He is the Omnipotent One. He says this is demonstrated in the resurrection of Jesus. And then it comes to the second part of verse 20 and verse 21. Uh, we're simply, I'm saying, God's uh, Almighty power exalted Christ. It's not enough for just to raise Him. Now God exalts Him. And Paul says this, uh, and He seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. God not only raised Christ, He ascended Him into heaven and placed Him at His right hand. I love how Calvin, speaking of this passage, he says it like this, the power which the Father has bestowed on Christ that, it, that He may administer in His name the government of heaven and earth. See, Christ directs us in, in every area. And the heavenly glory fills and, and which Christ dwells. should hopefully take our minds to a place that says He is and He will be. He is the exalted One. He has all the power it's full of His glory. And pile, uh, excuse me, Paul piles up uh, these words. Not just, it's not just enough to say He's exalted up into heaven, but he says against all principality, or over against all principality and power and might and dominion. This is all, all spiritual power. So if there is, uh, you know, Paul's point there, if you could think of any spiritual power that might exist, Jesus is over them all. Christ is exalted over everything. And it's, again, Paul is stressing this and emphasizing this. It's not enough just to say that, but he goes on and says, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Right, so to be clear, Jesus is exalted to the place of absolute supreme power in the entire universe. And His authority is not just for a certain time or a period of time, but for exactly that, all eternity. God has never given 
uh, this title or invitation to any of his angels or any created being. This alone belongs to the second person of the Trinity, God the Son. And we know that the Scripture promises that one day, as we think about where we're at, we think about the struggles we're facing, as we think about um, the principality and powers, the uh, Satan and his enemies, and the things of this world and his evil ways, we know that one day uh, Christ will come again and ultimately uh, demolish them. And think about for this church in Ephesus receiving this. This is a culture that was steeped in idol worship, in the occult. Uh, demon possession was common. Um, we see in, in Acts 19, 11-20 that uh, many were going out trying to cast out demons. And this is the passage where uh, the demons were responding, saying, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but uh, we don't know who you are. We see the problems, and, and these Ephesians believers uh, came to this moment and trusting as they're hearing this word, believing on Christ Again, in Acts 19, 11-20, it says they burned their magic books, uh, which said it amounts to, to a small fortune. But they were, they, were, they were captivated by Christ. They were saved. They were delivered. I mean, think about uh, this power coming and saying, uh, this God is above all. This Christ who uh, was raised from the dead is placed above all these these powers of this world, and He's not just for a moment, but for all eternity. This was intensely practical for this church. And I would say and add to us, uh, is it practical for us today? The Bible tells us that Satan is, is, is roaring around, desiring who we may kill, steal, and destroy. And so it's very practical that we would call upon the mighty power of God, that we would trust Him. And we would know that Christ didn't simply overcome the grave. No, He has ascended. And He's placed above in complete authority. Paul says it like this in Philippians 2, 9-11, Therefore God has uh, highly exalted Him and given Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul wants us to know that the power, the exalted Christ, is available to us. All our struggles over against the enemy, over against anything we may face, over against our fears and our doubts. Christ has authority. He is exalted. He alone is exalted. So Paul is saying it's this power, God's almighty power, is, it's Him. He's the omnipotent one. It's demonstrated in the resurrection of Jesus and the exalted Jesus. But he continues in verse 22, and God's almighty power has placed Christ over the church, over all the church. He is over us, you and I, if you're part of the church. And Paul says in verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Jesus Christ paid the supreme price to start and build the church. He died for it. Therefore, God has given him the supreme position as headship over it. And all things, not some things, 
All things are under his feet. You know, it's interesting, this language, it's, it makes me think in the beginning in Genesis when man, Adam, was, had dominion over all the animals. And then we know shortly after that, Adam sinned. And the second Adam had to come, Christ. And Christ has redeemed what Adam lost. And everything is placed under his feet. He has authority. And he will have the final victory over Satan, over death. See this demonstrated once again, his death, resurrection, his ascension, his exaltation. It guarantees the outcome. Paul says all of this, all things are under his feet, but he is over the church. He is over you and I today. He is over all the congregations that that are not assembling today, but are in homes independently. He is over us. Again, we're reminded the church is never a building. It's never been a building. It's a people. And Christ rules over. He has complete headship. You know, we think of, of Christ's love for the church, His priestly prayer in John 17. As he prays for His disciples and He prays for the church, every believer. He prays that we would be sanctified in Your truth, in God's truth. Your Word, He says, God is truth. The church is to be teaching God's Word. The church is to be studying and learning and taking heart from the truths of it, being encouraged by it, to be set apart, sanctified by it. This is, is Christ's headship. This, I think, is another challenge for the church today, not to be looking to programs, even though they may have their place, but looking to God's Word, opening God's Word, singing, praying God's Word, hearing it. Christ is over it. And so we, kinda, we come to this last verse here, verse 23. And you might be asking, well, that's, that's great. God, you know, God has demonstrated. I, I'm encouraged. Uh, I'm encouraged that, that God is. He's all-powerful. And Paul has, has encouraged this church that his power is, is working and it's demonstrated and it's for us. And we see it in the resurrection of Jesus. We see it in the ascension and the, the exaltation of Jesus. We see all things uh, under his feet. He's in a complete authority. We see him over the church. Uh, what, is, what does that mean for me right now sitting in my home and, and hearing this message? I believe the real application comes from verse 23 out of all of this. See, God's mighty power, and I've said it a few times through this message, it is at work. It's at work right now. It's at work in His church. It's at work in you. Paul says in verse 23, which is His body, right? Speaking of the church, is His body the fullness of Him who fills all in all so why should we understand the power and might of god why should we know that he has demonstrated this this way so that you and i would properly represent christ on this earth the church is his body it is the fullness of christ who fills all in all the church is 
Christ's body. We are union with Him, you and I. So here's Paul's point. If, if God had the power to create the church and to make Christ the head of the church, then He has the power to make the body function and work as the church. God has the power to get you and I busy for the work of the Lord, to be a witness. Even in this situation, maybe there's times for us to call upon our neighbors. Maybe there might be some we might have never talked to. In a situation like this, we may call out to them and see if they're okay. Maybe it's a time to, to, to be bold and to say, hey, there's, there's a peace you can have and it's only in Christ we can proclaim a, a message of reconciliation. I think our, our society has demonstrated, our community has demonstrated to us the real fear they have. And so I pray that the church would see that. That God's power has, has released us and empowered us to be that voice. To demonstrate to a lost world. There is. And there can be peace. I think about it for a moment. This is actually a really wonderful thought that you and I are a part of this outworking of the church in human history. God is going to use you. He's going to use me. All our, our weaknesses, all our strengths, all our insecurities, all our certainties, all of it. He's going to use us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Now I know we're we're in a place where we're to be separate from others, but a text, a phone call, even knocking on a door and keeping your distance can be uh, an easy way to say and, uh, or call out to others if they need help. And again, Paul's point is simply this. He's been stressing it through this whole passage. That God has the power. God has the power to use you and me. God has the power to equip us and to lead us that we can communicate God's truth. And so here it is. If God has saved you, and if you profess that today, then we would say which He has. If He has saved you through His almighty power, and if you are saved, which you could say, yeah, He did, then I would challenge you and encourage you, make it your aim, to trust Christ, to obey Christ in every area of your life. Not just on Sundays. Not just when we're on uh, in our homes. But every area. Your actions, your, your words, your thoughts, where you go, what you see, what you do, how you love. God has a wonderful purpose for His church. He has a wonderful task. He has given you gifts and abilities and talents. None of us should ever feel that we're we're not important to the body. It should give us a sense, knowing this, knowing this purpose, that, that Christ is over His church and that He has called you by name and He has done a mighty work in your life, that He has at one point taken your heart of stone and, and given you a heart of flesh that beats for Him, that loves Him. And even though we're, we're independent, we're not assembling together, we can be encouraged, we can be strengthened we can know in the context of our home, Christ reigns. Christ reigns. I'm a part of His body. There is a work to be done. There is a calmness and a peace we need to demonstrate to a world that is seeking it even though they don't know it. 
And for us, the church just simply needs to be awakened to it. The story of a wealthy newspaper published by the, publisher by the name of William Randolph Hearst. He'd spent a fortune collecting art treasures from around the world. And one day he found the description of something very valuable that he just knew he had to have. He must have it. So he sent one of his agents abroad to go search for it. And after months of searching, his agent reported and came back and reported to him that he had found the treasure. And he reported to Mr. Hurst that it was in his warehouse already. He had already owned it. And his searching was, was in vain. It simply brought him back to his own warehouse. I think for us, the church, even in times like this, is to ponder anew what the Almighty can do. Think once again of the resurrection of Christ. Think again of God's mighty power. It's demonstrated in Jesus. He raised Jesus. He placed everything under His authority. He gave Him the headship over the church. He reigns today. If you're struggling with temptation, with fear, with uncertainty, I, this message is for you. I pray that you would, you would dig hard into God's Word. Read this passage. Pray, Lord, help me to, to walk in your peace to know that you have power. It is all your power. Be thankful today. If you know Christ, He's, he's done something wonderful. He's demonstrated that power in you. He's raised you. You were dead, but now you live. The cross is not foolish. It's not foolish. It is the power of God. And trust Him. Trust Him. Live according to His mighty power. Be the church that God has called us to be in wisdom and discernment and love. Be the hands and feet. Be the ones ready and willing to pray and to encourage, to go the extra mile, to do what we can. Let's pray together. Father, we are eternally grateful and thankful that You love us. That. Lord, your word says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we know that he's risen. He has ascended. These words, Lord, let them challenge us and encourage us. Let them strengthen us. That we are a church, regardless of our location. That we are in Christ, regardless of us assembling together. Your power is, is with us always, in all times. There's never a moment when we go from Your presence. There's never a moment when we're outside of Your view or Your thoughts or Your actions or Your might. And so I pray You would strengthen Your church, Lord, today with this. Would strengthen us and encourage us. Make us mindful. I pray that, Lord, we would be reminded. We would ponder at a deeper level, at a more meaningful level, the works, Lord, You have done, the, the demonstration of Your power in Christ, the resurrection of Jesus, His authority over every principality and power, over everything, and that there will be a day when all things are new. And I pray that that would resonate deep, not just within Faith Community Bible Church, but every believer who is listening to this message who may or may not attend here, let it resonate in us. Let us be the hands and feet 
that has a message of truth, a message of hope. There is a God who changes lives. There is a Savior who can deal with our sin problem, who can be our peace, a peace that transcends all our understanding. It transcends moments in history. It transcends tragedy. It transcends uh, pandemics. It transcends viruses. It transcends everything. It's your power. It's who you are. And you demonstrated it in Christ. Let that, Lord, rest in us. So strengthen your church. Move in them. Let your word come alive. Just as Jesus prayed, Lord, set us apart in your truth. Your word is truth. Let us be encouraged by it, Lord. And may everything bring you glory and honor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.